What is going on, y'all? This is Matthew Potter hosting The Last Pardon, The Disruption of the Year. We got a great show for you guys today. Super excited. For those just turning in, um, this is a show where we talk about some of the burning topics in real estate with four of the best and brightest and also available at 1230 on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> individuals in the industry i'm gonna go ahead and toss it over to our fearless leader steve trang go ahead and introduce yourself hey everyone it's steve trang real estate disruptors sales trainer and uh, i guess you know the title i was given this year a podcaster is a title i've not embraced but i guess it is what it is so steve trang wu trang <laughs> Wu Trang is definitely not one to mess with. Next on the list, we got ourselves the main man, Eric Brewer. Hey, Dawn, I'm a real estate investor out of uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I've been, uh, I guess, with this group from the beginning. I've been out a couple of weeks. So, Leon Garner Minshew has been filling in for me <laughs> as my backup. But um, just as any star or starter, um, you know, when you come back from injury or you come back, <laughs> Um, your spot is is saved, so I'm I'm back. I'm anxious to be back, and um, I'm also available. Oddly enough, at twelve thirty, <laughs> so I guess that makes me uniquely qualified. Absolutely, Eric. We're glad to have you today. Speaking of someone that's always on their lunch break from their nine to five, we have R.J. Bates the third. Go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. What's up, everybody? Um, you know, what's funny is is I took a couple weeks off to make a television show, and I got told that I have a 9 to 5. Eric leaves for a couple weeks, and no one says anything. It's just the starter's back. You know, I mean, whatever. I, listen, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this has been an awesome blessing for, for all of us this year, this show. I uh, just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year going into 2023 and uh, excited for today's show. Same wishes to you as well. And rounding it out, we have the UCJ, Chris Jefferson. Go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. Yeah, man. Chris Jefferson, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, at least today, man, the weather's terrible. Apparently, there's a storm coming, but maybe Florida tomorrow. But uh, Chris Jefferson, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good. Look, it's hard to not do something when you're such a winner. Uh, so it's good to be back with these with these guys. Um, you're curious to see what thoughts and opinions they have today that that you know aren't as good as mine. So we'll get to it. Uh, Potter, man, I, I see you've got a nice setup now. Uh, you know, you look a little ambient uh, today. All right, so it's good to see you as well, man. All right. I appreciate the love. Steve uh, invited me into the office today. He finally opened up the doors after his upvoting uh, scandal of a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, you got to give the audience what they want. <laughs> All right, gents, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. First question that is of the burning thought process is if your parents would look at your business, what would they say? Great question. Let's go ahead and go to it. What do you think, Steve? Um, I think there'd be elements of pride. And I think there'd be elements of shock. Um, probably the biggest shocker would be the fact that I curse because I never curse around my parents. They've only heard me <laughs> curse once, and that's because I was really drunk at a Christmas party. I was really pissed off at somebody. So beyond that, they haven't really heard me curse. The other thing, too, is I think they'd be surprised 
at uh, my behavior. Not that it's inappropriate, but that I am not the kid that they raised, right? Like the kid they raised was a straight A, you know, studied hard, hit the books, did everything, um, you know, studiously. Whereas here, life of entrepreneur, everything is chaotic. Everything, it just feels like every day we're juggling something new. There's new fire. And um, I guess it's just balancing all the different things is not the typical uh, thing the book smart kid you would expect. So I think they'd be surprised by that element. I mean, I'm partial. I know your parents, so I would probably agree with that assessment <laughs> there. Just, just a scotch. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what about you? What, what, what would uh, your folks have to say about your business? Before we move on to me, I just want to point out that based on what Steve just said, his work behavior is the same as his drunken, angry <laughs> Christmas party behavior. So the way that he behaves at the office is cussing and angry, which is the same as he did. The one time they heard him cuss was because he was drunk at a party. So just his management style is the same as his raging and partying style, which is intoxicated and vulgar. I regret um, nothing. Um, but I do think like my, my mom would be in shock. My mom's a, a simple woman. She runs a cleaning business. She was a dental hygienist for most of her life. She did one job for 50 years. Um, I think the complexity of what we do as an entrepreneur would be uh, something that she would be proud of. My dad was in the military and is a no BS, like wants the minimum amount of stress possible. I think he would look at me in this business and go, what in the F are you doing? There's way too many personalities. You're dealing with way too many people, emotions. He would want nothing to do with it. Um, why I still think he would be impressed by what we've built, it would be I think remarkable to him that anybody would sign up for this abuse. Um, I think that's what they would say. Outstanding. RJ, what do the folks think about your business? So this is um, a slightly emotional answer for me. My, uh, my dad passed away a month after I started my business. And, and the last time that I actually talked to him in person uh, was when I told him that I was starting my own business. So that was literally the last in-person conversation I had. So I know that there was a ton of pride um, there. I know that he would be beyond proud of the fact that we've been able to do this for over a decade. Uh, my parents started their own business in the early 90s, and it still runs today. So I know that they know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur, um, to kind of Second, what Eric and Steve said, I think they would be surprised by some of the chaos that we have. Uh, I think they would be a little bit shocked by some of the things that we do as far as being all around the country, coaching people, just the different aspects of our business because their business was very simple. It was to sell office furniture. Um, so I think there would be pride, but also just shock in where we've pushed this company to. And I think that would just be really where they're they're extremely proud of us. Man, coming again with the deep thoughts from RJ Bates. All right, <laughs> CJ, what you uh, what what about your folks? What are they thinking? Yeah, I I, I want to say you know some sense of relief and, and happiness, man. I uh, got into business at eighteen, uh, right out of high school. Not got into business, but got into real estate, trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, following different people around that I saw successful professionals for free, helping people with their business. 
And I had a, you know, a conversation with my mom a couple of weeks ago that was an emotionally charged conversation. And part of that conversation was just, uh, she talked about how I, you know, she saw where I kind of morphed into this uh, person that wanted to achieve this thing, to, that wanted to accomplish this goal of being a real estate investor and owning property and flipping houses and, you know, all these cool things that I've been able to do and thought it was about, you know, at one point. But I think that they would be happy to see, you know, not only that I've accomplished that, but that I've turned it into something much bigger and much greater than that been able to, you know, pour into other people and serve others, been able to drive change and impact in the community around me uh, and, and into the actual footprint uh, of the community in which I live, you know, in terms of the developments that we've done over the years, the different social impact endeavors that we've done. Uh, just this morning, I just made a, a annual donation to Housing Opportunities Made Equal, shout out to them. Uh, and just, you know, what we've been able to or what I thought in the beginning was just about money and success and flash and, you know, just all those things uh, has become, you know, something much more, you know, beautiful than that. Uh, and I think they take a lot of, uh, a lot of pride in that for sure. Love well, it. I mean, that was a great answer, CJ. I didn't know that we had five minutes to answer, but um, <laughs> I appreciate you taking all five minutes there. Yeah, no, nah, and and no problem. I know you've been going for a little bit at work, but you know how it, works now. <laughs> right. how, how it works these days is that the, the champ the champ sets the tone, baby. So I just I just making sure that you know. I just making. Sure. I see. You know, uh, looking at uh, we talk about PI every once in a while on, on on some of our episodes. You know, the one that's to the far left for myself is the compliance component, right? The how well do we abide by rules? And I think that's the, we're talking about, you know, the shock. I think that's one of the other things they always be surprised as well, right? Like, again, the good kid that did everything by the book. And today, the way we run our business is usually somewhere between gray and dark gray. It's a lot of gray in, uh, in real estate. <laughs> to Steve's point, too, man, it's funny because your parents and people that have known you for a really long time, right? They, they always see you still as whoever it was they saw you as the most. You know, like that that little kid, or they see you as like my aunts and uncles. Every time we're at a holiday, they joke around about me and my brother how we used to just come and tear people's houses up, like you know, feet on the couch, you know, just punching holes in walls, just acting like lunatics, right? And they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you!" Right? You of all people, I have gone on to do this and do that. So it's special when you get to see people evolve and morph and become, uh, you know, really who they're they're, they're destined and we're put here to be. So you are Rick James. The true Hollywood story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. If I if I came over, this is back in the day, Steve. I won't do this to you now. But back 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 in the day, man, I put my Jordans on your couch, man. I might just put my Jordans on your couch. You get right. slapped in our house. <laughs> That's Steve at the Christmas party. <laughs> All right. So round number one. We're going to go ahead and toss that one over to RJ Bates. He's been a little critical of my uh, judging skills at times. Um, Want to make sure my man get, gets a point, gets on the board uh, before he's got to go clock back in. Um, let's go. <laughs> let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and hop on to question number two: creating a legacy. I think we can all agree this year's World Cup was absolutely phenomenal even if you're not a soccer fan it was insane um messi has left a legacy of possibly being the goat there's really not a lot of argument there 
What are you doing to create a legacy in your business? We'll go ahead and start off with RJ. Go ahead and give us your legacy statement. Well, before I answer that, I, I just really appreciate you finally giving me a point there. I was I was starting to feel like Leon there for a second. So, man, <laughs> it was really good to finally win around. Um, no, I, I, listen, I think when it comes to creating a legacy, it's about identifying moments um, that are going to be memorable. And it's going to create a result that you can point back. 15, 20 years, 50 years from now. And, and really that's what we've been trying to do with, with different aspects of our lives and in, inside of our business, whether that's capturing an asset or, or really focusing in on a specific core concept in our business and becoming great at it instead of just being good. Uh, but really it's just identifying those moments that come available to us. You look at someone like Logan Paul, and I know we've talked about him before on the show, and and you see what he is able to do in his business, where whether it's uh, Cody Sanchez had a great TikTok about him where he has a business now that he can become a billionaire just by selling that business, and it's essentially selling bottled water. Yet he's still going out, he's doing things like building his brand by participating in the WWE. He's going out and, and he's, he's capturing these moments that will forever be memorable. And that's what I think that we are trying to accomplish in our business uh, to lead that legacy. Because I think those moments is what everyone's going to remember. All right. So we're, there's a, we're chatting here. Um, so guys, everyone that's watching, we're going to start a GoFundMe. We need a buzzer for Matt, I guess. When Weasel left, he took his buzzer with him. So if you guys started GoFundMe for a buzzer. I, I'm going to go find a new one. I'm going to go find a new one. All right. Next up, uh, Round Robin style. CJ, what you got for us? What you doing with the legacy? I am going to create a buzzer, so you got 45 seconds. Yeah, look, man, it's simple, man. Uh, I'm, I'm creating legacy by pouring into others and, and teaching other people who look like me how to get started in this business, people who don't look like me how to get started in this business, how to just take advantage of opportunity when you don't have much opportunity to start out with. Uh, I think that real estate is something that people fantasize about. They think it's something that you need tons of money and you need this and you need that. Uh, and the reality of it is that it's this vast, beautiful place that there's tons of opportunities in regardless of where your starting point is at. And so, you know, legacy for me has been about showing people what that looks like, uh, showing people that there is no barrier of entry. It's just simply entry. And how do you want to exist in the marketplace? So that that's going to be legacy for me. Under the 45 seconds. Impressive. You didn't get buzzed. All right. Next on the uh, next on the round robin here. All right, Steve, go ahead and tell us about the legacy. What are you doing? Well, I think uh, everyone knows, right? The mission that we have is creating 100 millionaires. Um, on top of that, I would say the biggest thing is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the podcast is we want to teach people entrepreneurship. We want to, you know, preach the the gospel of capitalism. And you know, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying capitalism is perfect, but you know, having uh, my grandparents losing everything twice due to communism, right? Like, there's a reason why I'm so passionate about about capitalism. So. I think that if we can just teach people that want to become business owners a way, a methodology, the mindset, and everything else to become entrepreneurs, for me, that would be my legacy is that uh, we're able to help people leave their nine to fives that they're not fulfilled in to chase something 
that they're passionate about if they're, uh, I guess, more specifically within the real estate uh, arena? Made it just under with four seconds to spare. All right, Eric, what you got on the legacy front? Um, you know, so I think this changes. It, it was probably a little different for me 10 years ago than it is today. Um, <clears throat> apparently, my primary uh, strategy when it comes to legacy is children. Um, I'm scheduled to have my sixth child here in the next couple months. So it's really shifted, um, you know, my, my primary focus, I, I think, to create a legacy for my children um, is to give them a path um, to true happiness. And I think a lot of times what we realized, whether it's corporate or entrepreneurial, um, there's more, there's a lot in between that, right? There's people that can maintain the, the, the value and the luxury of having a corporate um, job and, and still have a side hustle or be entrepreneurial on the side. Um, I think what we don't realize is all of the freedoms and all of the, the, the luxury that comes along with being an entrepreneur. A lot of people don't talk about the downside. It's a lonely place. Um, it's very difficult for us to, um, you know, create friendships inside of being an entrepreneur because we're so often completely immersed um, in building our business. It can be a dark, lonely place. Um, so whatever my children choose, I think too often early in life at the age of 18, they're supposed to pick um, something they want to do in college. And really it's like, um, okay, well, that's only for the next four years. But that decision that they make really dictates how they spend almost all of their 20s. And I've seen more so than ever now, like people that end up in their early 20s in a job that they have zero interest in. They hate it. They're miserable. Um, and then, of course, they carry all this debt and everything else that comes along with it. But I would want to create a legacy of options for my children by giving them skill sets, a set of beliefs, and then meaningful relationships that they can inherit as a result of my work that would give them multiple options when they become adults. Okay, so I, I want to play devil's advocate on this a little bit because I felt like when I when I heard y'all's three answers, they were all pretty similar in the fact that it's to help other people and impact their lives. But is that not, and I'm not saying that's a wrong answer because I agree to a certain extent, but as y'all were talking about it, isn't that just a part of us building our own legacy as a business owner is that it inevitably helps other people. But in reality, the, the, the mission is still that we are building the legacy that we are going to have in our lifetime and after. Is it really that CJ, you are helping other people or is it that you're building your own empire while you're alive, and the side effect of that is that you're helping people along the way. Look, I I think you know two of those things could be true, right? Um, I don't think that everybody will know ever the people that I've helped, or people that I've spent time with, the people that have stopped me when I'm in the airport and asked me a question, or or pull up on me in random places and say, "Hey, I was able to watch one of your videos and make." $50,000 or something like that. So I don't know that I'll even ever realize what that really looks like, right? Because what I've found with all of this is um, oftentimes people don't also know how you did help them. You know, people do tell you, but a lot of times people don't. And that's, and that's okay too. So I don't know that it's necessarily self-serving primarily, but it, it can be self-serving financially, egotistically, you know, whatever the case might be. But I, my primary thing isn't, and let me help people to, you know, th for that to be my legacy that I, that I helped or that I made a bunch of money helping or, you know, whatever the conversation could be. For me, it's just more so like, 
if I can help a couple people, man, the way that I needed help 13 years ago when I started out and I had nobody to do it. And so I messed up a lot and struggled through different things that I don't want to see somebody else have to, then that, that for me is good enough for sure. Yeah. I, so I don't need a plaque or a statue <clears throat> for that. I'm sending you a plaque. Anyway, RJ. So, uh, if you look at, uh, kind of like what Chris said, right? Like it's not mutually exclusive. So there's, uh, will we do well if we're helping other people? Absolutely. We'll do well. Right. I think that is a natural byproduct. You cannot, it's impossible to not do well if you're helping other people. Right. I think it's just a natural function, but the part you look at like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The first one is food and shelter at the very top is soulful fulfillment. So it's also selfish, right? Like, us trying to create a legacy is selfish in nature. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's also very beneficial for everyone else for us to be, you know, pursuing significance because, you know, like uh, you need to make, I think what the research says, like $70,000 a year, to go from $20,000 a year to $40,000 a year salary, like it's significant, right? Your life is changing. To go from $70,000 to $95,000 doesn't really change that much, right? So like there's only so much money you can make actively per year. But significance, that's that soulful fulfillment. That's what, you know, helps us feel better about ourselves. So I I don't think that it's mutually exclusive. I think it, you can be doing both at the same time. Well, I agree. I mean, I, I just think to some degree, it becomes the easier answer to say that why we're doing certain things is to help other people. I think well, when you I, I guess here, RJ, I'll say it another way, right? I think it's the easier thing to say is I'm doing this for my family, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the easier thing to say. I think that's politically correct, right? Um, but I've said this before. I'm being selfish as hell here, right? I'm doing this for me, right? My family will benefit from this, but my family doesn't need me to travel across the country. My family would prefer me to be at home, right? But when I do travel across the country, that's for me. That's not for them. And when I said that before, right, that was kind of like me lying to myself. I used this uh, example of The Greatest Showman, right, when uh, Hugh Jackman travels around the country with the opera singer, right? And the kids are like, hey, you know, why is he doing this? You know, and someone said, like, it's for his family. He said, no, no, not doing it for his family. He's lying to himself. He's doing it for himself to fulfill whatever, you know, uh, he needs. Uh, if there's a hole, right, that we need to satisfy, whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I... I would take this, uh, the, uh, not controversial, but maybe the less popular opinion is that I'm doing this for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to say I gave everything that I had to do everything that I ever wanted in my life. And I think the byproduct of that is, is I know along the way that tens of thousands of lives are going to be impacted on that, whether that's jobs that are created opportunities for them to make money. The, the education, the helping like CJ brought up, all of that's a byproduct of it, but you're absolutely right, Steve. I mean, when I think about it, it's like my internally, I want to know that I'm empty and I gave, I did everything that I ever wanted in life. That's what I want for myself. Yeah, yeah I'm the same way, but the, 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 the fulfillment from everyone, like the DMs, like I can't believe like how much you've helped me. Like I've changed my life, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you too, RJ. Like I, I get I get your point. I think like for me, for example, to what you're saying, I think in the beginning it may have started out as and, and still quite is, right? Like let me rephrase that. It still is. It still is very much my teaching style is I'm teaching you what I'm doing for me. 
I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, this is what you should do or what you should do or what you, I'm telling you, I'm teaching from a place of this is what I'm doing for me. And this is what has worked for me when I was in your position. Right. And if people, so I'm still operating for myself, right? That's why I mean, when I say two things can be true, I'm still operating for myself, but now I'm not holding that back from anyone else that could benefit from that information or opportunity as well. Whereas times in the past, before I ever decided to do anything online, I very much so wouldn't talk to very many people about very much of anything that I may be doing inside of my business. Right. And so that's kind of the, the merger of the two. We went, we went pretty deep on this one. Definitely went past that minute and a half. That being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, give this round to our fearless leader, Steve. Um, definitely. I like the insight of you have to be selfish to an extent. Um, you know, it is what it is. All right. Next on, next on our list, we have our 2023 strategy. What is your guys' strategy going into 2023 for your business? Steve, start us off. Um, so for us, we are uh, going harder and hiring more sales reps. So, you know, we had the good fortune of partnering for, with uh, Ren Bartlett to uh, build out our sales leadership training. And part of building out the sales leadership training or sales leaders, uh, sales uh, force, uh, he's been hammering on and I, I, he's been able to convince me otherwise just to hire more salespeople. So uh, we are doubling up our acquisitions, our dispositions, uh, our lead managers. We are beefing up our sales force and we're going to be leveling up our, our salespeople. We're, gonna, we're raising the bar on the number of people, quality of the numbers that we're bringing in. And we're going harder on the salesperson side of our business. So more people going on appointments, more people uh, building a buyer's list. But for us, this might be a really simple answer, but we're just increasing the size of our sales force to go harder. 2023. Love it. Contacts to contracts. All right, Eric, what's the brew crew doing in 2023? So I think for us, uh, I mean, a lot of times under normal circumstances, we can forecast out a year. Um, when things tighten up like this, I, I like to operate in probably um, shorter feedback loops. Like I, I want to be making more strategic decisions probably on a monthly basis and a quarter quarterly basis, which I wouldn't do under normal circumstances. Strategy for me would stay the same for a 12 month cycle. Um, and we would work on just executing on that strategy for a four, 12 months. What we've seen with the volatility of interest rates, um, our strategy cycle is, is broken down into actually 30 day cycles. Um, so if we're really heavy right now, novations, um, and wholesale, by the end of Q1, we may be looking at, depending on how interest rates fare and what values look like, we may pivot to more of a retail fix and flip model. That fix and flip model would not be something that I would be excited about doing um, Q3 and Q4 of this year because of the, the, the fluctuation in values. So right now for us, it's heavy, heavy, heavy novations. Um, it's almost 70% of our business now and the balance um, is wholesale. And then we're just cherry picking um, fix and flips. Like median priced, super desirable, um, class A assets with massive spread. Uh, we used to be able to wholesale those and maybe make 25K. We're seeing now where those profits are down closer to 10. Um, but if we're looking on like a 90 day flip, um, we might be making 55, $60,000 on a flip. So cherry picking flips. Definitely have to read the market. That is an important uh, factor there. RJ, what are you doing down in Texas in 2023? 
So for us, we made significant strides in 2022 as far as acquiring assets and and really fine tuning um, what our hedgehog concepts are going to be inside the different branches of our companies. And so at this point in time, it's about executing that and and really reaping the harvest uh, that we've been sowing all of 2022. So whether that's the the game plan that we have for Woodhaven Country Club, the the nationwide virtual wholesaling, really focusing on on just staying focused on that, not trying to have shiny object syndrome of hey we can go out we can do creative finance and we can do all these other things. No, our exit strategy is to wholesale on those and really just stay focused on the foundation that we've been laying over the past couple of years. Love it, love it. CJ, what are we doing in 2023? Yeah, so for me, the last two years have just been a, a capitalization opportunity, right? You know, with anticipation of market adjustment for the past two years, it's been about how can we uh, stabilize our revenue as best possible? How can we get our capital stack uh, as high as possible? And so the type of stuff that I'm doing is, sounds very similar to what Eric's doing as well. We're looking at things on a 90, 30 to 90 day rolling basis, and we're not entering to any type of deal or project that would take more than 90 days to exit out of so we're focusing on novation and hotel opportunities right we're focusing on seller finance and note creation using wraparound mortgages and then we're, we're focusing also on the traditional wholesaling model and using those things to drive cash flow and also using those things to drive uh you know increase in capital um i think there's going to be really strong opportunities in the future i don't know that we know yet what those opportunities are what I do know from 13 years of experience is that every opportunity takes capital. Uh, and if you want to be able to do things in volume in terms of strategy and verticals in your business, uh, you need large amounts of capital to be able to move around and commit uh, to those different strategies. So uh, we feel pretty firm in, in, in our viewpoint of the business and the different things that we're doing. And again, right now, it's like how can we make sure that we're bringing in as much volume uh, from these three core strategies and as much revenue as possible from them while maintaining kind of, uh, you know, our ability to stay lean uh, so that these opportunities that come up, we can take advantage of, man. I started in 08 and I missed the wave uh, when I first started, uh, but just from not knowing, I refuse to do that again. So uh, we're ready to play in the sandbox, man, and make a mess. So I, I think, uh, you know, Chris and, and Eric said are really smart, right? The planning 30, 90 days at a time, I think that's really, you know, a, a really good way to handle this market as a lot of shift. Uh, I love what RJ said, you know, focus. That was actually something that came up. We had just had our two-day annual meeting on Monday and Tuesday this week. And what we talked about within that, the biggest core things we're going to do is execute everything we talked about in 2022, right? There were some things that, some initiatives that we were going to hit or we were intending to hit that we missed, right? These were quarterly rocks that we just didn't get done. And so for 2023, at least for Q1, we're not adding anything new. We're just going to execute everything we talked about. So I think focus is a great point by RJ there. Uh, it was humorous to me because RJ said focus and Chris said like 35 things. So, um, you know, to each his own. <laughs> but, you, but you know what's funny about that, Steve, is what I heard from Eric and CJ is, is that like to specifically CJ is that he said, hey, look, I'm I'm liquid. I'm ready to go. And all I heard was, is I'm ready to spend my money. And that's what we've been getting ready for is, hey, I want to pump as many deals to CJ as possible. 
And if he's looking to buy things on, on terms and then do wraparounds, then that means we need to go out and we need to lock them up and sell them to them on terms. And we're prepared to do that. And so I think it's just a, a difference of where our businesses are, but we have been perfecting over the past two or three years for this moment. I mean, it, I've been very open and honest in my podcast about, hey, I don't know when the change is going to happen, but now that it's here, this is the moment we've been waiting for so we can capitalize on it. Yeah, for me on my end, right, it's like, we look at it like this, it's how many revenue opportunities can we attach to direct to seller leads, right? I firmly believe that being direct to seller is the most important place to be in a real estate transaction. And so what verticals can we take off of being direct to seller and leverage for capital now and either opportunities later, right? And so one of the things I've been talking to my students about, for example, is going and getting the path of development right now and finding out where development is going to be taking place and start looking at things like if you don't have awareness of how to do these things, hey, how do I create an option contract on a piece of land that may be an opportunity for development later? And how do I also provide substitution of collateral opportunities in that as well? to be able to take advantage of shifting notes around and things of that nature here in the future to leverage opportunities later and utilizing the capital that we've been able to build out. But everything kind of segues back into at all times a, a, a business that functions off of being direct to seller and marketing to people to create opportunities. All right, gentlemen, we're going to wrap that round up. That round is going to go ahead and go to CJ. Love the answer. Love the in-depthness. He just used big words. <laughs> Somebody get Steve a thesaurus for Christmas. <laughs> Sh ship it out. I'll give you guys the address. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, so uh, before you move on, we'll just, uh, before we get into round four, just real quick, uh, quick you know, announcement here. So with uh, capital thinning in today's market, it's crucial for real estate investors to build relationships with reliable lenders to access the capital they need. That's where Kiavi comes in. Whether you're flipping houses or investing in rental properties, Kiavi offers fast approvals, high leverage, and reliable capital to close more deals in any market environment. Through our easy online process and dedicated support, you can access the flexible loan options that help you scale your business confidently. Go to kiavi.com slash real estate disruptors to learn more and download your pre-qual letter in minutes. You can also download a copy of their new Burr ebook to learn the cash on cash return of Burr versus turnkey. Terms and conditions apply. Please see caveat.com for further details about potential loan options. Uh, we had the opportunity, uh, Eric and myself, because we're in Collective Genius, to uh, be really connected with one of their uh, LOs, Ray. And uh, it was really interesting to witness, right? Because like for them, they were still lending. And I actually called them. I was like, hey, are you guys worried at all that um, you're going to be like getting all the business? Because like everyone else is pulling back. And they're like, no, nope, we feel good. We'll lend, right? As long as you got good credit, good, uh, decent credit, and there's equity in the property, we'll still lend. It's like, oh, man, good for you. Uh, so that was it. That was just a quick commercial break. We're now back from our commercial break. <laughs> All right. <laughs> ne next, up, next up on our list, um, what was the biggest lesson of 2022 for, uh, for you guys? This one, uh, I, I'm feeling good about the answers that are going to come on this. CJ, start us off. Yeah, I'm going to say biggest lesson learned is, uh, for me, it's, it's around team building, right? You know, this year I've put a really hard emphasis on the departments within my business, really, truly building them out, creating management inside of those positions, 
uh, and really creating downlines that are effective and efficient. And that's something that I didn't put as hard of an emphasis on in the past. Uh, and it was a priority for me this year. And we've really been able to round that out uh, by reinvesting a lot into the business at times where it would have been money maybe that was pulled out of the business for myself or other opportunities or other businesses. Uh, you know, I've been able to be really, really intentional this year of driving capital back into the business uh, and really building out uh, a team that can be led versus a team that of being in the business all day, every single day, and really truly growing it and taking it to that next level. Love it. Love it. Steve, what was your biggest lesson from 2022? So I screwed up so many things. It was really hard to really focus on which specific lesson. Uh, but I would say probably it had to do with communication within organizations. You know, as we grow in body count, layers of complexity are involved in communication. And, uh, you know, we thought we were doing a good job of communicating, holding each other accountable and this and that. And what we learned and realized is that all our failures in execution came down to my part in failing to deliver exactly what I want done and having that communicated all the way down as well effectively. So the biggest lesson I learned was how to freaking talk to each other. And it seems like that should be super simple, but man, uh, having Larry Yatch come through and, have, and having us all have a common language uh, shared, you know, common distinctions for what we mean when we say these particular things and expectations of responsibility. That was a major game changer for us. And we were only probably operating at like 60%. You know, I think, you know, 2023, hopefully by the end of 2023, we'll be operating at 90, 95% communication, but we've made it this far with, <laughs> with my shoddy communication. I'm hoping that <clears throat> it's going to get a lot better in 2023. That's a hope that we all have, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> all right eric what did you what was your uh biggest uh takeaway from 2022 uh, like halfway through the year um i started reading um some of them for a second time i got really involved with jim collins and read uh three of his books the flywheel concept um good to great and great by choice <clears throat> and what i realized was um inside of my organization and for me specifically as a business owner the one very, very important part of running a successful business, which is discipline I lacked. Um, I was innovative. I was a big problem solver. Um, I spent a lot of time and energy learning how to be a leader, but I didn't operate with discipline and I didn't drive aspects of that discipline down into the organization. Um, and as a result, um, when the market started to shift, it put me um, in, a, in, in a situation where I felt uncomfortable. I felt um, exposed. Um, so I've made that a big commitment for me and the rest of the organization um, to drive. We've actually included um, discipline now in our core values. So it becomes part of our hiring. It becomes part of our daily um, routine. It becomes part of our communication. Um, so exposed, it really exposed for me the value of discipline. Um, and that's going to be a big focus for me in 2023. Discipline's always great when motivation is lacking. Not saying that you're not motivated, but discipline takes over all the time. Yeah. Motivation comes in phases. It comes and goes. Discipline is consistent. I mean, that's the Absolutely. primary concern. So. Absolutely. Love it. RJ, what was your, what was your uh, biggest lesson of 2022? 20, uh, I think for me, it was to keep our circle smaller and the ones that are in the circle really pour into those relationships. Um, I think there for a while, um, it was about the size of the circle and 
we just neglected the people that were closest to us and even us as partners not communicating clearly not understanding what you know we were feeling about where the direction of the business was headed and all of that i mean it was kind of like steve said for you know he he took a lot of ownership there for the results he got this year or the results he's not happy about and i i think it's the same thing for me i mean um, I need to do a better job of pouring into the relationships that are most impactful and most important for my life and my business. And it's it's important to keep that side that circle small and just pour into the right people. I think also RJ learned how to sell this year, so I think we should give him an award for that. Um, you know, he finally was able to sell something. So I think we I, I think that kind of yeah, I think we all forget about that because because he doesn't he doesn't talk about it enough. Yeah, we should get him one of those plastic medals they give the uh, the kids when everybody gets a trophy. You know, this coming from the guy that put a belt on his counter last week. Did you forget that, was that a real did belt. that? That was a real belt that I deserved. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, RJ. I'm sorry. I mean, you you did you did you definitely were like above average. So you really do deserve more credit. I apologize. What I really want to know is, is if Eric is ever going to participate in the post answer debate. I feel like, I feel like Eric works while he does the show. Me too. This is his side hustle. <laughs> He's like in his CRM right now. Tagging literally shit here podio. So he He's tagging fine. podio right now. <laughs> Uh, that's all we got, Matt. That, all right, <laughs> we'll cut that one short. Um, we're we're gonna go I've ahead. We're gonna Eric's go ahead and... before. I, this is a moment we're gonna have to definitely replay during the holidays. Uh, we're we're gonna go I'm ahead. Not speechless, I, I'm just not interested. There's <laughs> a big difference. <laughs> I I think we can all agree on that round that I Steve needs Leon. to communicate more clearly with everybody. So <laughs> hey, we're Matt. gonna go ahead and give that one to Steve. That was a little bit of self-reflection <laughs> on his behalf. We're very proud of him growing up in the year 2022. You want to share a little bit about how I communicated to you about what you're gonna do in this show so they have a flavor? Yeah, so I just want to let everybody know this is week three. I thoroughly do actually enjoy hosting this and being here and chopping it up with you guys for an hour on Thursday afternoon. Um, but literally the extent of Steve's guidance, if you will, was, hey, you want to host this? Okay. <laughs> All right. Get a camera at home and just go in your office. Okay. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to say at the beginning? I don't know. Just introduce us. <laughs> There was absolutely no guidance to this. So we're, we're working on guidance. Uh, again, communication is key. Um, and, you know, every day we're going we're, we're gonna to get better. Or I guess every Thursday we'll get better. In my uh, defense, Matt is one of those guys where there's a problem. Matt, I have a problem. I need you to solve it. He's that guy, right? So in my defense, Matt's that guy. So I, it's true. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you do have a problem, just reach out to me. I'll, and I'll, I will put the, you guys here, uh, CJ, RJ, Eric, same thing, right? I think you guys are problem solvers. Like, hey, Chris, I have a problem over here. Can you go take care of this? You don't really need a lot of instructions. I just know that in two or three weeks, that issue is resolved. I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> no, no, I mean, to, to be fair. He didn't have an SOP 
Dude, no, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't even SOP. I didn't have anything. Yeah, like, literally, I didn't Weasel have anything. Did not. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what Potter said to me, and I don't know if you mind if I share this. He deemed Please. it to me, but I'm not, I won't share the screenshot. He, he <laughs> messaged me and said, "Hey, I, I look, I got brought in to do this show, and I see you're on it, bro. I'm excited to be able to meet you and interact with you." He said, "Who is R.J. Bates?" <laughs> that- <laughs> <laughs> he said he said, he, he said who is rj bates and i'm like i'm like dude there's no inf- you can't find any bio on this guy i'm like so i don't know what to tell you but i'm like you figure it out as you go rj yeah. i saw the screenshot cj told him you did all of eric klein's outbound texting <laughs> oh my god hashtag Hashtag Eric appointment setter. All that means, but um, he said it was the best work he's ever got for four bucks an hour. I don't know that That's my second favorite Eric Brewer moment. PTD year right there. So, out of curiosity, are we allowed to award Eric a point for that? For that yes. epic roast? Like, I, I feel he should get a point out of that. Maybe he'll be interested again. Uh. All right, guys, we're gonna go. We're gonna go ahead and get on to the last one before our bonus question. What was your biggest win of 2022? Tell the people they want to know. Um, we'll go ahead and start with our with our communication king, Steve. Go ahead and lead us off. What you got? Ah, shoot. Um, so I would say the biggest win is that we really weathered the storm together. You know, I might sound like a big crybaby. I feel like I'm the only person in the guru world that's talking about how tough this year has been. Um, but you know, we weathered a storm here, right? I went through a business divorce in the first half of the year and that was about two and a half weeks before June 15th. And, uh, June 15th seemed to be the day that the entire West coast of the country decided real estate's dead. Right. (laughs) And so I think that, you know, we had a tough, a couple of uh, gut punches that we survived and we just finished our annual meeting and you know, we were profitable in Q4 for a wholesaling company. You guys heard me talk about this on the show. We had some tough months, right? So on top of losing 70K between two properties, we still were positive for, for Q4. You know, so for me, I say a big win is that we weathered the storm together. Uh, we are stronger. And I would say that was, that was our big win for 2022. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Eric. What, what, was, your, uh, what was your big win? I, I think... Uh... You know, there's a lot of people out there. I mean, everybody on this call is obviously committed. There's professionals. Um, We we got some of us 10 plus years worth of experience. I think I would venture to say there's probably 50% of people that were active in wholesaling that are already out of business. They've either physically quit, shut up shop, they're done, or they're just mentally checked out. Um, So each one of the people that are on this call and anybody that's paying attention to this is still going. And I think we don't give ourselves often enough credit for that. Um, one, I mean, I was talking to people at a mastermind, you know, three weeks ago that lost a million dollars on flips in, in, in the second half of 2022. And they're still going, right? Because when we talk about like, and I hear this all the time, and I believe it when RJ says it and when Chris says it, that we were waiting for this time. But I've heard that for three years. And all of those same people that said that couldn't handle the shit when it came down the, 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 the pipeline. Right. It's like, I can't wait till everybody's out of business and values go back to. And then they're screaming about, I can't find a deal. Right. Nobody's buying my stuff. Um, and, and, I, and I don't know how I'm going to make money. My flips are sitting and they were scrambling, didn't know what to do. So I think the fact for me personally that I just kept going 
Um, and now that's put us in a very unique position that going into 2023, we've proven that we can go three, four, five, six months at 70% of what our projections were and still be profitable. Um, now we've made a lot of adjustments on expenses. And if we hit that 70% number now, we'll be 30% profitable um, for all of 2023 by doing 70% of what we did last year. So that's a really big deal, right? And for me, um, one of the things that I'm most excited about is I don't work day to day very much in my business. I'm very blessed to have some extraordinary people at the management level um, that I really participate less than probably 10 or 15 hours actively in my business. So I'm just glad for me to be able to say that I made it because it got really hairy there for about you know three to six months. And I don't think we're out of the 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 you know the choppy waters yet. But I think the beginning is always the, the the most difficult because it's such a culture shock. We went from the craziest real estate market ever, um, like Chris said, or, or you know, Steve said, um, and on the West Coast around June, someone yanked the emergency brake. It's like going 70 miles an hour in a sports car, and someone reaches down and yanks the emergency brake. Um, the tires go flying off. You get sideways. You may flip. There's a good chance you'll die. That's what it was like being in real estate since June of 2022. So I'm just kidding. There we go. I brought back the buzzer per <laughs> Cassie's request. <laughs> you're you're correct though, Eric. You did weather the storm. I do need to talk to management. They only gave you half a point for that roast, <laughs> and I'm gonna work on that. I will correct this wrong for you. I, I promise it. I will. Thank you. All right, RJ. What was the uh, what what was the biggest win in 22? Man, 2022 was uh, just an unbelievably great year for us. Um, we not only did we find it's funny because my answer is going to go back to kind of all the things I've previously said. Um, we found a legacy moment for us, which was purchasing. Uh, a piece of East Fort Worth, which is where I was born. It's where I grew up. It's where I went to high school. And not only that, but it is going to be a huge part of revitalizing that part of our city. Um, not only the country club, but the vacant land and the plans that we have uh, to revitalize that. We had an opportunity to be on national television um, with, with A&E and zombie house flipping, you know, uh, but some of the, the more important things was is we found a way to get ourselves out of the daily grind. You know, now we have Patrick Brown as our general manager at Titanium Investments. Um, we were able to bring on Tyson Smith and Naaman Taylor, who were two of our students who now essentially run our education business outside of the actual coaching in the crucible Um just really excited about some of these moments that we've had this year because it, it feels like we laid the foundation uh, this year for what the next decade looks like. And now it's just about executing. And that is the biggest win for us in 2022. Love it. Absolutely love it. CJ, what's the biggest win for 22 for you? Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of everybody's answer, honestly. You know, 2022 was a phenomenal year for me. Uh, and and when I think about the question and my first train of thought is how we were able to get into a position of being able to trust within ourselves, within the organization. We planned out some new programs. We planned out, planned out some new strategies and, and adjustments and pivots in terms of the business on the investment side as well. 
And there's a moment for entrepreneurs in doing that where you're not really sure, or you start to have those insecurities of, hey, is this pivot going to work? If, if, is this adjustment going to yield the same, similar, or greater result than what I've been getting uh, in the past? And we did a lot of these things in anticipation of the market making adjustment in the near future, which ended up taking place and getting to a point where seeing that that proved accurate, where those, you know, that pivot foot, you know, took us in the right direction and, and was the right move. Um, I would count that as the win. I'm extremely thankful for that uh, because there's other things that were considered or other avenues that were explored that if we had taken some of those, uh, the the outlook or the position could be much different than it is today. Uh, and so I'm just really thankful for that. You know, I was really surprised. I thought CJ was going to say coming onto the show was his biggest win. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really bummed. You know, yeah, I, that, that is one of my wins. That is one of my wins that I get to hang out <laughs> with you guys every week. I, I well, want to say, RJ sometimes. RJ sometimes. <laughs> I want to say I really appreciate Steve's answer because Steve, you know, I've, I've been very vocal about, some of the, the bad years that we had in 2018 and 19. And then we started to, to get a groove in 2020. And, and I appreciate you being transparent during this year about the things that you've encountered with, you know, the business divorce and what happened in June with the interest rates and stuff like that. I want to be very transparent as well. When I talk about 2022 was a great year, now I'm not saying we made just a, a ton of money. I'm, I'm saying where we are as a business is, is that we have now laid down the foundation where we can make the legacy type of money, the financial freedom that we so freely talk about as entrepreneurs. But then when it really comes down to it, it's like, who do we really know that has that? There's very few people. And, and I think now we know the direction that we're heading to get that. Um, I just appreciate the fact, Steve, that you've been open and honest because you are one of the very few people that has said, like, listen, it hasn't been the year that we want, but we are we're sharing our wins and our losses because that's something that's extremely important to me as well. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback that real quick. Um, Steve's a beast, man. And, you know, I talk a lot about problems I had in business, you know, 2017 to 2018 and the resiliency that that took. So I, I really want to emphasize that it's it's not even about the money. It's about the ability to just press forward the next day, to take it one day at a time and get up again the next morning, lace them back up and go to work and keep plugging away and figuring it out. Uh, a lot of times, and I think Steve, you said it in your answer, or Eric did, you know, 50% of wholesalers are out of the game right now, right, already. Uh, and that and that that falls to just not not being willing to keep pushing forward and keep working through things and keep making the adjustments. So I, I second what RJ's saying. Uh, I've had tough years, man. And I know when you have those types of years, uh, other people don't know what that's like. They don't know what it feels like. A lot of people don't even have empathy for it, quite frankly. A lot of people talk about you behind your back, make comments yeah. to you and come or right behind your back and come shake your hand. So big shout out to Steve. Uh, for working through things and also using your platform uh, to set that example that everything isn't just, you know, roses and rainbows, man. There's there's a lot of stress and anxiety and insecurity that goes into being able to just lace them up tomorrow morning, God well, willing, and do it again. 
CJ, they don't say it behind his back. What they do is is they actually just use it on oh, their wow. Facebook app. <laughs> yeah. And then they post in their Facebook groups. So with that Ooh. being brought up, now that I've brought it up, let me just Too go ahead soon. and say something, okay? As the best trash talker in all of real estate investing, okay? There is a humor in which you have to trash talk, okay? But when you do this because you suck at selling your own course, it is it is just pure cowardness, okay? There's no other way to put it. No one out there has dedicated more time, energy into bettering themselves than Steve Train to then turn around and help other people. When I flew out to Steve Train's podcast, he let me sit in for an hour to watch him get taught better sales so then he could turn around and teach his students better sales. He sits there and he pours into people. I've seen it. His goal, his mission, his legacy is to build 100 millionaires, okay? And we see people ripping that off because it's such a great mission in life. So to the person whoever did this, you should be ashamed of yourself, especially because of Steve, but also just because it's poor marketing on your on your part. Yeah, thank you, RJ, CJ, and Eric. Because uh, Eric, uh, we the three of you each reached out, so I really do appreciate all you guys. And then you know, to Eric's point a moment ago, I also just want to say uh, thank you for your kind words earlier. And it really, it, it does take a team. You know, everyone says that, right? But it really, does take a team. My team took a beating, right? It wasn't just me. My team took a beating this year as well, and we all made it together. Uh, Eric and I were actually talking earlier this year, right? Eric's like, you know, hey, I don't know what's going on with the market. I was like, Eric, it's fine, right? Like when the market shifts, we're gonna be fine because we're in the right room and we got the right people and we have the resources, right? We just gotta align, you know, maybe we have to make some adjustments, but I'm excited for this shift. Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong, right? Eric, you remember that conversation? Right? Sure so, you know, to your point, like there are a lot of people saying, I can't wait. And man, some of us got, we're not as prepared as we thought we were. But Steve, those same people were begging, begging for uh, January 2022 to come back. And one breath, it was, I can't wait till the market corrects. And then it was the market correcting. It goes, I wish we could just go back to January of last year. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing. Like, that we, you know, we, I think RJ makes a great point. And it's, it, it, you know, it's good to hear somebody speak up and say something about some of the trash that takes place. But uh, as Steve and I were texting about some of that crap, that's what's caught like this anxiety and stress in the market correction is going to force people out of their comfortable little spot. And they're going to start to crawl. They're going to, they're going to claw. They're going to hold on. They're going to try and take things from other people to preserve and, and save them themselves. And it's going to reveal um, who's really got a, you know, um, a go-giver mindset and the people that have been, um, you know, stealing and, 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 you know, fraudulently, uh, out there doing business with the wind at their back. Um, it's tough, man. I think, you know, to, to CJ's point, like just getting up some days after a, a, a long week or a long day, when you are the person that has to set the tone inside of your organization, you do not get any days off. You can't come in and have a bad attitude because that bad attitude is going to rub off on your customers. It's going to rub off on your team. It's going to rub off um, on anybody that you do business with. And it's a it's a, a friend of ours, Frank Kava says, heavy is the crown. And, uh, you know, that shows up in a two person organization, your home and your business. If you are the leader of that organization, it's it, all of that weight falls onto you. And it's tough some days just to get up and put a smiley face on and go out and go to work. Eric, let me ask you a question of all the people that told you 
they can't wait for this market correction. Did you ever hear any of them tell you why they couldn't wait for it? It was just um, the thing to say. Yeah. I mean, 90% yeah. of them didn't know why they were saying it. It's just, well, I, I heard Pace Morby say it. I heard Jamil Damji say it. I, you know, I heard Max Maxwell say it. So I'm going to say it too. I can't wait until this correction comes. Yeah. They didn't know why. Yeah, it was just a cliche thing to say. A lot, lot of parrots. A lot of parrots. <laughs> um, I do have a slight bone to pick. Um, Steve, I also texted you about this, and I told you I was going to go handle it, and you didn't even, like, drop names. So what, what's up with that? Uh, I, I don't I, even get a shout-out uh, on that or what? You did. You did. I'm sorry, Matthew. You did as well. Um, you also <laughs> reached out. And, yes, I, I did not – I don't feel comfortable sharing the name because I don't want <laughs> – we just we, we just put it behind us and just move on, right? We just remember and we move on. Absolutely, we just keep moving forward. No no re no reason to uh, dredge up old shit. We're not gonna do that. Hey, real quick, Matthew, I don't know if you know how this works or not, but you're the host. No one gives a shit about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go ahead and take away RJ's point and give it over to Steve. Um, <laughs> we're actually gonna split it between uh, Steve, Steve, Eric, and CJ. <laughs> Uh, no, that that round we're we're gonna toss it we're gonna toss it over to Steve. Uh, you know, got got a little vulnerable and deep there, and you know, was gonna give it to RJ, but listen, here we are. Listen, I think that's an oxymoron, man. Vulnerable and deep from Steve. What are we talking about? What are we it, talking about? I I gave him a hug before the show, guys. No, you he's, not. he's breaking out into comfort no. zone. No, do not spread these lies. I do not want to be assaulted. All right, we're going to go ahead and go to our bonus question here. Uh, I don't even know if our panel has seen this, so this is going to be absolutely just shooting from the hip. What was your one negative belief you had to overcome in real estate? Steve, go ahead and start us off. Uh, the one negative belief, I would say for me, it was actually um, that these people that are trying to sell me coaching are scammers. That if they are so successful, why would they sell me education? And that was my belief from 2007 to about 2010. And my goodness, <laughs> what, what an idiot and how much I hurt myself along the way. So if I would have just done what they were suggesting, take out hard money loans in 2007, buy these properties for 35000 rent them out, cash flow it, and then refi out when things change. Oh, man, where would I be financially? But... I, I was too prideful, too arrogant uh, to be coachable, and I thought every one of them that was trying to teach me something was a scammer. So I would say that's my, that's probably my biggest negative belief uh, in real estate. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> Eric, what was your one negative belief you had to overcome when getting into real estate? Um, I think one of the things, just reflecting back on the last fifteen years of my real estate career. Um, and you see it when we go through these cycles is I, I came from the car business. I came from retail sales. So I fell in love with flipping homes and, and, and it's really awesome, like wholesale and, you know, flipping homes and the quick money that comes with it. But I've literally done now over 4,000 real estate deals. If I would have kept 25% of those transactions dating back to, I mean, I started doing real estate in 2006. So you think about how far values have come since 2006, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 and 12, right? We were still near the bottom um, compared to what we're seeing values today. Um, and I, I remember saying out loud, I was like, I'm not going to keep this house to cash flow 500 bucks a month. I can sell it and get a check for 30 grand. Like, 
why would I want to rent something? And now, as I look back on that, um, the amount of time, energy, resources that it took me to do those deals, had I just kept 25% of that, um, I'd be in a different position today. So um, I'm looking more probably as, as I go into 2023, long game, less short game, even if that means sacrificing some short-term wins in the now. Absolutely. It's a long play. Real estate always is. All right, RJ doesn't care what the host has to say. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us what your negative belief is, which is clearly that. Um, I, I had to overcome that making money uh, could be easy. I, I didn't think that that could be a thing. I, I thought it had to be hard. It had to take time. You had to have knowledge in this extreme wisdom how to do it and and i think cj i think he's obviously extremely passionate about teaching this to people and and so am i i probably just am not as outspoken about it but i mean i at this point am so passionate about simplifying everything down and letting everyone know hey this is one of the simplest industries to get into this is not difficult whatsoever don't make it out to be uh, case in point, one of my guys yesterday, a, a woman reached out to me on Instagram and said, my old landlord was getting blasted with tax delinquency notices and pre-foreclosure notices. Do you want to reach out and see if he wants to sell? I gave it to one of my guys and he goes, what do you want me to say to him? And I said, the truth. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be hard. There's no games to this. And that was no one told me that in 2014 when I was dead broke trying to figure out how I could make $5,000 assignment fee. And I wish they had. Very true. Uh, I actually had that conversation with an agent earlier today. And it's not as difficult as most people believe that it is. It's a limiting belief. That, that's all that it is. All right, CJ, what was the one negative belief that you had to overcome when you were getting into real estate? <laughs> that uh fixing and flipping should be a primary investment strategy in my business uh it, it's in hindsight because i deal with so many people and interact with so many people i'm shocked how many people don't think i'm telling them the truth when they should not when i'm saying to them that they don't need to be prioritized and fixing and flipping in their business it's something that for a very very long period of time in my life was my primary strategy that we ran and did we make money from it? Yes, but we made a lot of headaches, problems, and issues from it as well. But people get into the business just like I did with no money and stuff like that. And we fantasize what we think real estate's about. And we 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 see shows like Zombie House Flipping and House Hunters and all these other shows. And people were conditioned and programmed to think that flipping houses is the way to get into the business and do it successfully. Um, and in reality, it's like nowhere near my top strategy anymore at all. Uh, and that was just something that I lacked complete awareness of, much like Eric said. The prospect of making $30,000 versus $500, you know, 23-year-old me, 25-year-old me, 20, yeah, give me the $30,000. In hindsight, with what I know now, I realize what sort of error that was, um, which is why I'm excited to answer RJ's question, too about the market adjustment is because I, I, you know, had a different perspective a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, fixing and flipping, man, everybody wants to do it for whatever reason. Uh, and there's so many better ways to create active income in the business. 
that uh, that's definitely mine for sure. It's glamorous. CJ, yeah, CJ, I, 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 I got two things about your point here. One, every single crucible, I go over, I have an hour-long segment. It's called Exit Strategy First, right? So I'm teaching them how to be a virtual wholesaler. The number one exit strategy for our buyers is flippers. And I ask them why. And eventually we get down to, because the flipper, the guy that's going to buy that or the gal is doing it because of pride and ego. And they want to feel good because look, I turned something ugly and I made it pretty. And I get the dopamine hit of 300 likes on Instagram because look, I did this when you could have probably made just as much money wholesaling it. And then my second point is zombie house flipping. Okay. So I go to them and I'm like, hey, listen, I, I get it. You want me to turn this ugly thing into something pretty. But what if I sew some really cool shit? Like, what if I do a novation here and I really teach this and I could bring in this guy named Eric Brewer and they looked at him and they said, nah, not for TV. And I said, okay, good point. <laughs> and then I said, well, what if, what if we don't do a crazy rehab on it, but we sell it on a wrap? What if we do that and we show people how to do this and that's how you can make this passive income for the next 20, 30 years. And they're like, yeah, people don't care about that. They want to see something pretty. And this is what fix and flip is. It's not about making money. It's about making you feel good. You know, just a, a couple of things here. Uh, first, when RJ said- I wish I was good estate. enough looking to qualify to be on the zombie house flipping show. <laughs> uh, RJ was saying RJ that, has you know, a face real, made for radio. <laughs> real, estate, real estate is real easy, right? When you say case in point, I thought you were going to say CJ. Um, and then as far as Eric's point, you know, he's talking about $30,000 or 500 bucks, right? Like that is a decision that we all make all the time, right? And back then it was like, I need the 30,000. And I'm guilty of this as well. But today, today, if I walked up to each one of you guys, hey, I need $30,000, I'm going to pay $500 a month for the rest, or for, for the next 30 years. And then after that, you're going to have something that's worth a million dollars. You in? Every single one of us will say yes. Why do we make this decision for quick rips versus wealth? A lot of it was necessity. with that, man. Yeah, Yeah, RJ, speak on that, man, because I agree with that. It was out of necessity, too. Go ahead. I mean, dude, there was times where wholesale revenue slowed down or we did a fix and flip because I needed to get my dopamine hit on Instagram and I lost 60 grand. So then I looked at one of my houses that I own and I said, well, I got $60,000 in equity over there. Let's sell it. You know, I mean, there, there was decisions that had to be made. Where I sit back and yeah, I I regret some of those decisions, but I also look back and go, listen, sometimes we don't want to talk about it as entrepreneurs, but they were made out of absolute mandatory necessity. There was no other option. And so that's where it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if things were going good and we were just making it just to make the 35 grand, it was a mistake. But so that's not always to, the case. Going back to Chris's point though, he mentioned this a couple of questions ago, right? Like he is stacked financially. Right, and if you're stacked financially, now it's no longer thirty thousand versus five hundred a month, right? And so we got to get ourselves in position where we don't have to make that thirty thousand dollar decision out of necessity. Yeah, and 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 to be frank, me making the, that business decision to focus on getting capital heavy literally came from exactly what y'all are talking about—the experience of doing fix and flips in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. And the stress and strain that that was putting on not just me, but the business itself, 
And it was the open realization that, oh, we're, we're making this decision because we feel like we have to. And we feel like we have to because we've created this brand of fixing and flipping and our local market and everybody knows our product and every the before and after pictures like you talked about and the ego stroke of you know having more projects active than everybody and working on none of that stuff actually really matters right what i what i had to get to was a realization of wait if i've if i've got to struggle and stress my way through this just to make some money hopefully make some money i well how am i going to be doing this forever right am i 33 32 years old and i'm going to be doing this the next 30 years that doesn't seem sustainable right let's make a hard shift adjustment right now and let's focus on more capital building revenue generating activities fix and flipping doesn't look like it but we don't really have this conversation enough man about what fixing and flipping really is we don't talk about that enough i think that should be starting off the year we can talk about that I like CJ, it. yesterday in our team meeting, which, by the way, I haven't run a team meeting in months because Patrick's been running them every single day. And yesterday, I wanted to step in and I wanted to impose on the team one thing. No one cares about how many deals that we do. No one cares about how much money we make, except for the people inside these four walls. Yep. It is only inside our head that we think someone else out there cares if we do 50 deals this month or five deals. Yep. But at the end of the day, our families rely on the amount of money that we generate so we can take care of them. And that's what we need to be focused on. And you saw a light bulb go off. And as soon as that light bulb went off, and this is no, no joke, we just got a six-figure assignment done this morning. Yes. So nice. sometimes just having that kind of thought inside your team's head, your own head, because I'll be honest with you, it was in my head too. Hey, we've got, we, we've been saying it. We do X amount of deals per month, but right. like CJ, who cares? Who cares how many yeah, deals 100%. you were flipping in 2017? Those people aren't even in the business anymore. No doubt. I agree with you 110%. I absolutely, I absolutely love that, RJ, because the moment that you start to realize that nobody gives a shit is when you go to the next level. Like it, it unlocks like a whole new level right there. And I know I'm just a lowly host over here, but those are my <laughs> thoughts. Um, so that being said, we're going to go ahead and um, wrap up. Pardon the disruption for uh, 2022. We are going to be taking next week off. But before we go, if you had fun today, um, found value, um, just like to talk a bunch of trash, like, subscribe, go ahead and share with friends, family members. Our goal is to get it all the way to uh, Uncle Joe over on, uh, you know, 1600 Pennsylvania. That's our goal. Um, before <laughs> we go, I'm going to toss it back over to uh, all of our panels so that they can go ahead and leave you with their burning thoughts for 2022. Steve. Wait, was this first? <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Uh, there you go. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, so, um, you know, again, I think that this has been a, a, a year to remember, no matter how it goes. Um, Ren and I partnered up on sales leadership. I think, you know, attracting, retaining, 
top quality salespeople, it can be a big difference for you. If that's something that's interesting to you guys, text leaders to 33777. I really appreciate everyone that's watching. I appreciate having these three fine gentlemen, as well as uh, Matt, Leon, and Jimmy, right? Because I think, you know, the, the caliber of people we have on this show, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I feel truly grateful that we have that. Uh, so for everyone that's watching, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, have a safe, happy new year. Chris. All right, I'll jump in. Happy holidays, man. Happy new year to everybody. Uh, 2022 has definitely been a ride for me, man, personally and professionally. Uh, you look, I think the only thing I want to leave everybody with last episode of the year was Steve's point earlier. Be resilient, man. Lace them up every single day. Don't be a part of that 50% that doesn't make it into the next year, doesn't make it into uh, growing inside of this business. This is not a complicated business, like they said today. Uh, you don't got to be a rocket scientist to to do this thing whatsoever. Uh, but press on it every single day uh, at minimum, man. Just give it an hour of learning and studying on a daily basis and start to figure these things out and just take action and get it implemented. If you sat on the fence this year, if you didn't reach your goals, if you didn't do the things you wanted to do, it's water on the bridge at this point. You know, get geared up, get planned up, get prayed up. And, uh, you know, much love to everybody, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I first and foremost want to thank Steve for this show. Um, I absolutely love being a part of this panel. Um, you guys are um, inspiring and I, I just feel honored to be around you guys. Um, every single time I do this, I'm blown away by the answers that are given on here. I think this is one of the, the most impactful shows out there, not only on a real estate level, but more on a deeper entrepreneur like mindset level that is, is desperately needed in this space. Um, and I think that comes from all of our experiences for being entrepreneurs well over a decade. Um, to everyone that's uh, been watching, thank you for the support. Um, and uh, have a great Christmas and a happy new year and looking forward to see you guys in 2023. All right, sign us out, Eric. Uh, yeah, I wish everybody uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a new year. I, I love this, one of my favorite times of year. Uh, I don't love the cold in Pennsylvania. It's like seven degrees here right now. Um, I wish I could change that, but it is what it is. It would be weird to be somewhere warm, I think, in Christmas. It might take me a couple years to get used to it, but um, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be on here and work through these conversations. It's very thought-provoking, um, and I probably learned just as much as a result um, of these shows each week um, as the people that are listening. So I get a ton of value out of listening to RJ and Steve and Chris and Leon, not so much Leon, more so uh, Jimmy and the other guys. But um, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's amazing to me. Um, you know, you don't really, I think, stop and think about the exposure and the opportunity and all the stuff that comes as a result of this. But I have tons of people each week that interact with me that say, hey, I saw you on Pardon the Disruption. I really love what you guys do there. I had a question about something you talked about. So um, it's really amazing to see the feedback and the people that get value um, from this show. Um, and I'm just lucky to be a part of it. All right. So I guess we're done here. Thank you all. Uh, again, no show next week. We'll see you guys in two weeks.